Can you die from a lack of sleep? And is Earth protected by the greatest starship in the galaxy? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. I got my pop filter in the mail. Pop, pop, pop. You know, I've had to ditch whole episodes because the P sounds, the plosives were just way too insane. And they annoy me just editing it. And I thought, hey, people aren't going to want to listen to this. I've ditched some of the times, like when episodes have ended up late. I was just like, I have to redo it. But now i got a pop filter, so I don't have to worry about that. However, this is actually also the second draft of an episode. Because I realized something. I recorded the whole episode probably about an hour ago. And the stories were, like I said, can you die from lack of sleep? And is there a starship protecting Earth? And I had just started the editing process and realized that the first story can be answered in about two minutes. Not ten, like I rambled on on the first draft. So let's get down to brass tacks. Can you die from lack of sleep? No. On to the next story. I mean, it was that clear. There's some science saying that you can die from lack of sleep, but no human's ever been recorded to die of lack of sleep. We find that mice can die from lack of sleep because sleep helps regulate temperature. So if you aren't getting enough sleep, we know that mice die, but they don't really know why. They think it's because they get too cold. But there have been people, there was a kid who did for a science fair, did, uh, didn't sleep for 10 days. He was fine. People have had head injuries and they've never slept their entire lives. So that's kind of the end of that story. I'm going to include all the resources below because there, there are some interesting tidbits like the armies come up with a way to beat insomnia. We'll have that below. And just about people who have never slept. There's some short little Wikipedia pages about them, but not 10 minutes worth. Not 10 minutes worth. I was really pushing that and I was like, eh. so can you die of lack of sleep? No. That's what science is saying, at least now. So you're going, well, Jason, If are you going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about the starship? No, I'm not. I'm actually going to move on to another topic. This is one that's on the conspiracy iceberg list. It's one that people have personally requested because it's so odd and it kind of goes against what we know of. And this one actually will take a while to talk about. And that is the extreme health benefits of nicotine. Now, let me say something right off the bat. Nicotine and tobacco are two different things. And we generally look at chewing tobacco and cigarette smoking as nicotine delivery vehicles, but that's not what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Really, when we talk about the health benefits of nicotine, they're talking about nicotine patches, nicotine lozenges, and nicotine gum. Now, if you've listened to the show early on, I talked about how I used to chew tobacco and then I stopped. I actually started again about a month ago. And it totally sucks. I realized what my trigger is. It's, for whatever weird reason, doing plays during the summer. Every summer, I'm constantly acting up here in Hood River, doing theater. And I've always not chewed, like, for the past couple of years. I'll quit in the fall, in the winter, in the spring, and then I'll start chewing again in the middle of the summer during a show. For Again, I do shows all the time. So I figured out what my trigger is. I've set my quit date. It's the 18th of September, so... Just a couple days off, about a week off, and I've already bought my last can of chew and all that stuff. Because it's for me, it's not a health thing. It's just a waste of money. For me, you know, $7 a can is just way too much money. So I've said, you know, I'm 
I want to, um, I'm going to quit chewing by the 18th, probably maybe a little bit before that, but I bought my last can. I'm ready to go on that. Now, when we talk about the health benefits of nicotine, we should start off by saying that there are some obvious downsides to it. And then we'll get into all of the benefits because there's a ton of them. And again, this isn't an excuse to go out and to buy cigarettes or to keep smoking or to keep chewing or anything like that. Obviously, the downfalls is that nicotine's addictive. It's very addictive, but like any drug, it can be kicked. It's just the withdrawal period is very long. The nicotine stays in your system for about three days, and the initial withdrawal process is about seven days. And then the you'll kind of have this ebb and flow of withdrawals for about 15 to 30 days off from that. I'm fairly lucky that when I quit nicotine, when I do it right, because what I do is I generally, like I've done this three times now, I'll taper off with that last can. And then I'll spend three days in blissful, like, perfection. Like, my body's rewarding me with endorphins for stop taking the nicotine. My blood vessels are all working better and everything like that. And you go, Jason, why don't you quit now? Because I have a process and the process works. I've tried just saying, that last can I chewed, I'm never chewing again. I, I have this process where I have to, like, taper off with that last can. I have to basically say goodbye to it. It's, it's an addiction. So that's one downside to it. The other downside to it is that nicotine doesn't necessarily cause cancer, but it causes existing cancer to grow more rapidly. So if you are if you've had cancer in the past, they don't recommend nicotine therapy or really nicotine at all. And if you have a tumor now, it'll just make it grow quicker. The nicotine itself doesn't cause cancer. The carcinogens in the tobacco and the processing of the tobacco definitely can. But the nicotine itself doesn't. So nicotine can make cancer grow quicker. So that's a bad side. And it's addictive. The good sides are numerous. And, and you know, doctors, scientists have said, how can we... They want to research more with nicotine because the benefits are so good. But the FDA is like, well, you know, we don't want your patients smoking cigarettes. And so they have to make that dividing line. The FDA is really not going... Nicotine... Replacement therapy, like the lozenge and the gum and stuff like that, is approved for getting you off of tobacco. The FDA has not really said it can be used for these other things, so scientists really haven't been able to research it. But it has been shown to reduce not only the symptoms of Parkinson's, but actually getting Parkinson's. The way that it affects your brain can help people with Parkinson's, people who are prone to it, not even get it. It is a. It affects the brain. It releases dopamine and serotonin. It will. It, it, again, I don't want. To, I, 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 this is the last time I'm going to say this. I'm not talking about cigarettes or chewing tobacco or snus or snuff or anything like that. I'm talking about nicotine replacement therapy. But in the right doses, it can affect help with depression. Depression is a leading factor in the development of Parkinson's. It can affect inflammation. It actually is an anti-inflammatory as well. One thing I noticed that when I stop chewing, I'll start to notice painful parts of my body because I'm 41 years old and I've put my body through a lot of trauma begin to hurt and ache again. And that's because I no longer have that anti-inflammatory in my system 18 hours a day. It affects estrogen. So if you're worried about being a soy boy, it can actually help with that. It's also been, there's one study among women, not about the estrogen here, but one study among women says that if they're given morphine and nicotine, 
their pain is at a lower level than if they're just given morphine and a placebo. So they feel that it has some pain reduction issues. It can actually decrease the susceptibility to Crohn's disease, ulcer, ulcer terative colitis. I don't know how to pronounce that, but I think you know what I mean. Because it helps reduce inflammation. It can help with Alzheimer's. It can help with ADHD. It can help with things like fine motor skills, alerting attention, short-term memory, long-term memory. It re- it's listed almost as a nootropic at this point, a drug that can be used to enhance the brain beyond its normal limit. It increases. It says that it puts users into the alpha brain wave state, creating effortless alertness, attention, creativity. You know, it's funny. I remember when I used to be a musician... I was standing outside waiting for, I was doing this open mic thing, and I was standing outside waiting for my turn to go on. And I thought, this is why musicians smoke. Because so much of it is, there's so much downtime when you're waiting to go on. You've got, you got your guys going up and do their sound check stuff, you're waiting for the club to open or whatever, and so you just start smoking. I never had a problem with smoking. I used to smoke cigars a lot back in the day, and I didn't have any trouble giving that up, but... Nicotine on its own is less addictive than tobacco. That's something that they've pointed out. And I'm going to include all these links. You could be like, Jason, you're just you're just spouting off stuff. You have no proof of it. And I'll post all these links and they source everything. But really, it works more than we think it does. They say that it helps people with uh, depression, again, because of the serotonin boost. It can actually make you depressed. If you stop taking it, and that kind of goes for any sort of drug that you're taking for depression. But they say the reason why it makes you depressed is simply the withdrawal process. Once you're with once you're out of the withdrawal process, you're no more depressed than you were originally. So we have a drug here that helps your physical body, it helps your guts, helps reduce inflammation in your stomach when you have stuff like Crohn's, and like I said, it can even delay the onset of Crohn's. If you have it, it can help with Crohn's. It can delay the onset of Parkinson's. If you have it, it can make the symptoms of Parkinson's less. So it can help with the body. It can help with the brain. It can make you more alert. Make, helping making you more creative, that seems very subjective to me. But they're saying that it basically works on those parts of the brain. It would be interesting to see if society does a switch and says tobacco, bad, nicotine, good. Because yes, nicotine is an addictive substance, but we take a lot of addictive substances because we outweigh the addictiveness with the the benefits. Coffee is being a perfect one, or caffeine being a perfect one. It is addictive, but we you know it causes alertness in the morning and it has a pleasant flavor, so we take that trade off. Nicotine, I guess, also should say is that one of the problems is is it does constrict your blood vessels. It's a constrictor, so if you have heart problems, it's not the best thing to take. But again, that may go more with the dosage. When they're talking about like nicotine lozenges, they're taking, talking like one a day or um, two a day. They're not talking about like someone who's trying to quit smoking where they're taking them all the time. They would prescribe, if this goes forward, they could prescribe you a lozenge like a normal pill. You take it when you wake up and you get all these benefits because the nicotine's in your system. I don't know if that'll ever happen. People have a real hard time with nicotine because it's tied to big tobacco. One of the weird things I've seen in my life is that when I was growing up, there was this huge push against secondhand smoke. They're like, secondhand smoke kills, you're going to get cancer, your kids are going to get emphysema, it's bad for the environment, people have to breathe it in. And they were like, 
when I grew up, you could go to a restaurant and they would have smoking, non-smoking. And then you could smoke at work or in bars. And they said, no, you can't smoke at bars. You have to smoke outside. And then they said, no, you got to smoke 20 feet away. And you can't smoke on a plane. You can't smoke in an airport, government building, all this stuff. Because secondhand smoke kills people. And it, it, the, the numbers on that are a little a little rusty, honestly. But they're saying secondhand smoke is a health, ha- health hazard. They're saying secondhand smoke is a health hazard. Even if you don't smoke, it's not fair for the other people to breathe that in. So they invented vaping. And they go, okay, we, we will invent something that will completely get rid of secondhand smoke. We have this new thing called vape. It is vaporized nicotine. You breathe out water vapor. There is no health problem for anyone at all. And it's just pure nicotine for the most part. And it's going to give you the health benefits of nicotine. And it won't affect anyone at all. And they said, nope, can't do that either. Can't vape in a restaurant. Can't vape in a uh, public building. You can't vape on a plane. You can't. So the issue would never was secondhand smoke the issue was we don't like nicotine we'll legalize weed and we'll talk about legalizing all these other drugs the only reason why these drugs are illegal is because of misplaced morality and if someone wants to do heroin they totally can but don't you vape and sizzler that's wrong it's super bizarre because i'll meet people who are for the making all drugs legal but they still don't want someone vaping next to them in a restaurant. It's completely harmless to everyone around them. So society says, we don't want this thing. Somebody proposed an alternative that fixes the initial problem of the original thing. And society goes, no, not good enough. So again, their problem never was secondhand smoke. Their problem was nicotine to begin with. So I'd like to see this research go forward. But with that type of mentality, it probably won't. People just don't like big tobacco. People just don't like... I'm not saying big... Trust me, big tobacco is as slimy as they come. But when you offer an alternative product that fixes all of the problems of your original product and you're still saying no, 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 just be honest with us of why you don't like the product in the first place. Don't try to hide it under public health. It's a little conspiracy for you. So health benefits of nicotine. Checked off of the conspiracy iceberg. It's true. There are a lot of benefits to nicotine. Just don't chew it or smoke it and take it in reasonable amounts and you may be you may be on the right path to having a better brain, possibly. Our next story I kind of stumbled across when I was doing research on the conformers. And a couple of people have hit me up and said, hey, why don't you use the Wayback Machine to look for the information that's been deleted off of the um websites talking about the conformers. I've done that a little bit. I haven't had anything conclusive yet, but I'll keep looking around. You know, I know that that one link from UFO Digest, I absolutely know that one link from UFO Digest, the reason why I bookmarked it, because it had information about the conformers. And when I went to pull it back up, it was gone. So that's the one I'm kind of focusing on the Wayback Machine, but I haven't found anything yet. So what we're going to talk about is another group of aliens. I had never heard of these guys. And it's a fascinating story. Whether or not it's true, it's a very interesting story. And what we're going to be talking about is the Starship Athena. Now, the Starship Athena is the reason why we don't have disclosure. And it's the reason why we haven't been invaded. And I think it's an interesting little puzzle piece to the alien story because it explains two things that people ask. Aliens are out there. Why haven't we been invaded? If aliens out there, why hasn't the government acknowledged it? The Starship Athena is this starship that's positioned between 
Saturn and Jupiter. And it is the greatest starship in the galaxy. And that's half true. It is, but it's part of a fleet that is the greatest starships in the galaxy. These aliens are known as the the Arcturians. The Arcturians. These are a race of aliens that value spirituality above all else. They're not about material possessions. They're not about conquest. They're about lifting themselves up to a higher spiritual vibration so they can move between the third, fourth, and fifth dimension, whatever that means. I don't know. I'm not swallowing this all, but I mean, so that's what makes them different than, say, the greys and the reptilians. And their purpose is what they do is they protect lower species and try to evolve them to the level that they're at. They want people to kind of come to them. They're about free will. They're not about, they're not, they're, when they com- compare to the greys who like abduct people and the reptilians who supposedly eat people, the Arcturians are more like, we want you to come to us. And in the meantime, we'll protect you from all threats. So the reason why the greys and the reptilians haven't done a full-scale invasion of Earth is because they have this massive ship. I mean, they're basically the security guards of the Earth's gated community, in a sense. These guys, they're known for have their skin's greenish, apparently. They have big eyes, three fingers, and they're telepathic. That sounds a lot like a gray, but they're different. They're a different race, apparently. And they just kind of sit there, and they will accept visitors from time to time. I mean, this is where the story gets a little ridiculous. So those, those, initial, those initial things, I'm like, okay, you know, I can definitely see that. And then they, when people are sleeping, they take them up to their spaceship, their souls up to their spaceship, and repair their souls and all that stuff, and... I don't know. I mean, once you start getting into kind of the weird mystical stuff, you kind of lose me. One thing I think is interesting is that, you know, I've talked before about how alien biology should be different than human biology because we've evolved on different planets. Now, when we talk about human spirituality versus alien spirituality, the gulf would be far more vast than the biological gulf. And here's why. Humans... The way, that we, the way that we're designed biologically is that we're, we are constantly given choices. We can indulge or withhold. We can eat eight cheeseburgers today and then we'll pay for it later on. Or we can withhold eating the eight cheeseburgers and we make that little sacrifice and we gain something, you know, being overall health. So every decision we make is something that we're either, it's all about, you know, we either withhold something or we indulge something. Going back and forth. You can say, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to play video games for two hours. I'm going to have a lot of fun. But after that two hours done, you're going to be like, oh man, I kind of like, I should have done, been more productive. We can withhold or we can indulge. And that's how our religions are set up for the most part. Our religions are about self-sacrifice. Almost every major religion is Don't do X now, you'll be rewarded in the afterlife. Don't indulge now, you'll be rewarded later. Indulge now, and you'll be punished. So we take our our religions are structured over how our biology is. Now, the Arcturians eat a, a formless goo, and they just meditate all the time. They live to be 500 years old, according to these. I like how I'm talking about it, like I'm reading that in an encyclopedia. But I think you see what I mean. So 
If they have a different structure, we have a limited lifespan on the planet Earth. It's a constant struggle between, you know, withhold, indulge, withhold, indulge. If we lived 500 years, that wouldn't be such an immediate thing. I know that if I overate every single day, I will pay for it within six months to a year. Maybe, maybe sooner. If I live to be 500 years old, that's stretching. So I, it's weird. Our religions are based on self-sacrifice. There's a few religions that aren't. Satanism comes to mind. Satanism is kind of about indulging. But for the most part, all of our major religions are based on withholding from doing things and then being rewarded later on. It's completely based on our biology. So I, I find it weird that any sort of alien spirituality would be compatible to us in any way. But apparently that's what these guys are all about. So so what's interesting about the story, like I said, I kind of stumbled across it, the Starship Athena, and I was I was like, this is this kind of fills in a couple gaps. Because again, why don't the aliens just invade us if their technology is so superior? And there's always been the answers like the answer I've always given is why would they? I said on a previous episode, we could invade Mexico, but what would we have to gain from it? We can invade the, invade the Philippines, but what would we have to gain from it? And that I kind of applied that to aliens. They're there. They're pre- completely preventing an invasion. Any sort of invasion fleet would have to get past them. And because the ship is so advanced, it just would fail. So that kind of answers that question. If you believe in the existence of aliens coming from other planets or even from other dimensions, and these guys kind of fit into both narratives, then it's there to stop that. But the second question, which I think is more interesting, is why, if aliens are real, why doesn't the government just do a disclosure for it? And the answer to that has always been, well, the U.S. government doesn't want to admit that there's aliens because then, one, they'd have to admit that we had known aliens were here before and that it would cause a huge panic and people would be like, oh, my God, we're not the superior species on the planet, blah, blah, blah. Why should I worship God? Why should I go to work? That probably would happen to a segment of society. And I think people would be fearful for quite a while because all of a sudden we're not the superior species. But, you know, the Vatican has announced, the Vatican has said, yeah, there's probably aliens. The Vatican actually has one of the best observatories on the planet. So this idea that we're still super irrational, we're, we're pretty irrational, but that we're super irrational, mainstream religions have made a place for ETs in them because they're like, it's kind of going to, they figure mathematically there has to be something else out there. So that that idea always doesn't wash. But so what the Starship Athena adds to that is the reason why the U.S. government can't admit that aliens exist is because not only have they known about them for a while, but the Arcturians... According to the story, Arcturians have contacted the United States government and said, we can help, or any government really, we can help your people. We can help humanity by lifting them up and helping them rise, evolve spiritually. And so they could also move through the ether and they could also journey into the fourth and the fifth dimension and they could just be healed and loved and they could just be evolved. And the greys are like, we can sell you weapons. And the U.S. military is more interested in buying the weapons than making a deal with the Arcturians. Not only would the U.S. government have to say, yes, since 1947, we've been in contact with aliens. And they could say, these are the greys. And then there's these reptilians over here, too. We've been in contact with them. And that's all the aliens we know about. And then the starship Athena shows up and says, hey, actually, 
the U.S. government's known about us far longer than any, any of them. We made them this offer. They refused it. All they wanted to do was buy weapons. So you couldn't disclose. You couldn't disclose because then the, the Arcturians would get involved and they'd say, hey, hey, what about us? It's not just the Greys and the Reptilians. We came here. We offered them spiritual enlightenment and they wanted weapons. Now, because the Arcturians don't want to, like I was saying, they're not about forcing evolution. Until we make, until we admit that there's aliens, they won't show themselves. But once we do, then they can say, yeah, you guys, you guys really messed up because we could have been solving these problems 50, 60 years ago. And they wanted to wage war instead. Do I believe any of that? Not really. I think it's a fascinating story. I think it's as believable of, as any UFO story I've heard. I mean, it is. It's not, you know, I, I've heard dumber UFO stuff. I think it fills in the gaps. I think it's an interesting story. And that's the thing, like, sometimes it's not about... This is going to sound funny, but sometimes it's not about whether or not it's 100% true. Sometimes it's about adding to the mythology. Sometimes it's about adding to the story. Adding to the overall mythos of the aliens. Because it fills in some valuable points. And it adds a bit of color to it. It adds this kind of silent guardian. This, I don't want to say dark night. That's a little pretentious. But you know, this kind of, this force that's kind of watching over us. That's keeping us from being overtaken. But not someone that we know on a day-to-day -day basis. They're not hyped up in the movies. They're not hyped up on X-Files or anything like that. So I think it's an interesting story. If someone said, Jason, would you bet money that these guys are real? No, of course not. I wouldn't bet money that any real UFO sighting was real. Even if I saw it myself, I probably wouldn't bet money on it. I'm more of a ghost guy than I am a UFO guy. But I, I'd bet money that ghosts are real, actually. But but you, that's besides the point. My point is, is that I think it's a, an interesting story. It's an interesting part of the mythos. And again, oh, and I do. I should say this, too. Apparently, there's footage of the Starship Athena being caught in a solar flare because they show this solar flare going off and there's like a, a black box, a kind of blocking part of it. It could be a fragment. It could be like a, you know, pixelation, GIF error, things like that. I Again, I don't put so much stock in that. But who knows? Who, you know, who knows? I, I, a lot of times I poo-poo this alien stuff. But, you know, who knows? Again, I think it's a fascinating story. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, like I said, you want to hear a good ghost story. And sometimes you want to have proof of ghosts. I think this falls more into the line of this is an interesting story about aliens than this is 100% proof of aliens. Because the truth of the matter is we won't know until they make themselves known. Other than that, we can just have fun speculating. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit also. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Our Twitter account is going to be at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.